Dream Life Worship Center in Randallstown, Maryland, is an uplifting church, helping people live their dreams and fulfill their purpose by following the Word of God. Enjoy this message. So let's go to Isaiah, the 65th chapter, Isaiah 65. I'm going to read from the NLT, and I believe it's going to bless your life tremendously today. Bear with me as we teach and preach. This is kind of like my original anointing, my first anointing. <laughs> so it's on me strong, and it's going to be a blessing. Okay, look at Isaiah 65. I'm going to read from the NLT. Help me out, if you will, media. NLT says, look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Verse 18, be glad, rejoice forever in my creation, and look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. I will create what? Jerusalem as a place of happiness. How many know that you are Jerusalem today? Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice. Look at God. said, now I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to get excited because they're rejoicing. I'm going to get excited because they got joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and the light in my people and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No longer will babies die when only a few days, a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Good God Almighty. Y'all didn't even know this was in the Bible. Only the curse will die that young. In those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards, or a better term is businesses. Unlike the past, Invaders will not take their houses and compensate their vineyards. That's what debt does. For my people will live as long as trees. Anybody receiving these promises? And my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. They will not work in vain. Good God Almighty. Their children will not be doomed to misfortune, for they are people blessed by the Lord. And their children, too, will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call me. And while they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow, but the snakes will eat dust. <laughs> what he's saying is you're not going to be praying. Praying animals will not control weak animals. I'm going to deal with the predators. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. And I, the Lord, I, the Lord, I, the Lord, I, the Lord, have spoken it. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. Father, bless us in this time that we go through your word, minister life. I agree with my earlier prayer. You will cause the word of God to flow out of my mouth like a river. And I thank you for it in advance. Bless these, your people, who need you every hour. Bless them through the word, we pray. May their lives be fruitful as a result of what they hear and do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And one of the things I discovered that if you've been with my, in our ministry or been followed my ministry over the years, uh, around 1997, God began to give me uh, understanding of finances for his people because I had gone through a, a great devastation in my own life. I was preaching, I was reading the Bible, uh, but I, I, was, I was so much in debt. You, you, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I was in debt. The, the ministry that we started was in debt. You could have called it Debt Tabernacle. <laughs> now look at somebody and say, he loved the Lord. I love the Lord. Oh God, I love the Lord. I was raised in holiness. I serve God. But my life didn't look like the God I saw in the Bible. And I knew something was wrong with this picture. I was stressed. My family was stressed. Couldn't go on vacation. I remember one day, I remember, I thought about this as I was driving. I remember one day when, uh, I, you know, I was an accountant, even at the time. And, 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 you know, back then you only wore suits and stuff. You know, you had to look professional. Everybody had to wear suits and look professional. So I remember one day I had this nice, nice blue suit on, Pastor Charles, white shirt, tie. And that's what we did back then. You, you had, every day you had to put that suit on. You had a nice little black briefcase, and I was just walking. You know, I mean, every, I had so much debt. Everybody, I owed everybody everything. <laughs> Are you listening to me? I was just walking this, you know, just all proud, like, you know. And I just heard this voice say, you big fake. I remember it was yesterday, and I said, I, 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 it, it was like, and at that moment, I realized, I said, wait a minute, what, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're trying to act like you have the part, and you are, your life is in a mess. See, I know they tell you to fake it till you make it, but you don't, you can't fake it till you make it. You got to faith it before, till you make it, but don't fake it, because if you fake it long enough, you'll get exposed as to who you really are. And especially when it comes down to finances, uh, people who have, they can tell right away you don't have nothing. They tell right away. You just, you're just trying to impress them. They can tell right away that's a knockoff uh, Gucci bag. Everything you wear, everything you have is knocked off. So it don't mean you're trying to impress people with the things we buy when our life is in a mess. Come on, say amen. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. And so the Lord delivered me. I was, I was such in, in, in bound. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and file bankruptcy. And I was about over $60,000, $70,000 in personal debt at that time. And that was a lot back in the 90s. That's a whole lot. And I said, I said Lord, I, that, we're just going to end all this. I'm just going to file bankruptcy. Found me a nice lawyer in Owens Mills. Filled out my phones, everything all perfect. Sat at his desk. And he said, well, Mr. Rob said, everything just looks good. Looks like you got all the papers together. Because see, I see I was an accountant. I was an accountant, a broke accountant, but I was an accountant. <laughs> I knew about money, but I had no money. 
So I'm sitting there with him, and he goes in the back. He said, well, I got to just look at a few things. Just wait right here, Mr. Robinson. I'm sitting there at the desk. He goes back there, and while I'm sitting at the desk, I hear this voice. And it says, get out of here. This is not my way. I will deliver you with my mighty hand. I'm telling you, I got up so fast. I knew the voice. Grabbed my papers. Ran out the office, got in my car, started driving down Owens Mills Boulevard. Jesus. Crying, saying, God, I see you do this, I see you do that, but you won't do anything about these finances. And I cried, he said, son, I will deliver you with my mighty hand. I want to tell you, that moment on, he began to show me things. He began to take me, show me how to, how to get out of a dead-end job. Are you listening to me? How to get in a place where I can control my own financial destiny. And about a year from that, I, I quadrupled my income, began to give me debt strategies, paid off my debt, and I've never, ever looked back. And since then, we've been able to be a blessing to so many people, not just only in our teaching, but even being able to give to God's people, being able to give to the house of God. I always wanted to give $1,000 to God's house. I just wanted to do it. I just felt like, God, I know you want to do it. And I remember I sat there and I was in debt in that meeting about, this is before I went to that lawyer's office. And I said, oh, God, I want to give so bad. But I knew I couldn't give none. I had nothing to give. And I said, Lord, if you bless me, I will give for your kingdom. And God heard that prayer. Within a year later, I had given $1,000 three times because he had blessed me, and I remembered my vow that I made to him. Taught me debt strategies. And then, about, and then later on, in the hotel room, going out to preach in California, I laid down there on the floor crying before God, and he says, son, I've shown you my power in this area. He said, there is a financial anointing, just like there's a healing anointing, just like there's a deliverance anointing. He said, there is a financial anointing, and I'm releasing that on your life today. Now tell my people I am a financial deliverer. I struggled with that. I, I, I went and started doing some things, but I struggled a little bit with it because that's the worst thing you want to be told to do is to preach about finances and money as a preacher. And thank beyond the God, I was, took the courage to do it, but there are still were times that I kind of struggled because who wants to be known as a preacher always talking about money? But how many know that when God has given you a commission and assignment, you better pay, pay attention to that because if you don't do that, nothing else is going to work in your life. And here's what I found out the most. You won't have the joy you're supposed to have in your life. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so today I just want to talk about, I want to talk from the subject today and I really ask that, that I want to talk about financial joy. I want to talk about financial joy. You probably never heard that expression before, but I want you to get it today because one of the things I discovered in Scripture, and it's in the Word of God, we're going to walk through today, is that God gives joy by financially blessing His people. Yeah, there is joy all throughout the Scripture associated with those who have been financially blessed. And the only way we're going to receive this is by me showing you in the Bible because we have been so programmed. Because I mean, you've heard that expression, 
money don't make you happy. And I know why we say those kind of things because in our minds, we've seen some people who have been pretty well off and they still weren't happy and, and they end up maybe killing themselves or committing lottery. We've seen people, I mean, excuse me, uh, committing suicide. Then we've seen people who won the lottery and their lives were destroyed. So immediately in our mind, we say, money don't make you happy. Well, one man said it like this. He said, money may not make you happy, but neither does poverty. And neither does being in debt. But these, these trends of thought have lodged in our minds and we've been deceived. Because I know plenty of wealthy people that are extremely happy. <laughs> okay, y'all. They, they, they are not sad. And one of the things that is happening in the body of Christ today, I'm seeing it because, as you know, now I travel back and forth to Texas. And please hear me. Like I said, I'm going to say some hard things today, but I promise you it's going to bless you and your life is never going to be the same after what you hear today. But please hear what I'm saying. One of the things that is happening in our community is that people who really have means and are successful, they're leaving our churches and going to the Caucasian churches. And the reason why they're going to Caucasian churches because they don't want to come to church and be, watch this, and be bamboozled out of their money just because we don't believe in paying bills or don't believe that we're supposed to be successful. So in their mind, they're like, look, I ain't trying to do all that. I love my life. My life is wonderful. I just want to hear a word from the preacher and give my money and go on home. We work over hard because of our people are struggling so much. And it ain't all the government's fault. <laughs> and the Lord says, I'm not happy with this, and I'm going to do something about this. Somebody said it like this, money may not make you happy, but I'd rather take my chances living with it as opposed to living without it. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to get you to think a little different today. That we're going to do some course correction. Yeah, there's going to be some course correction of some of this erroneous thinking that we have adopted. Because Jesus never said that. God never said that. He never said, he doesn't even imply that in the scripture. What he does say is that don't trust in money. Don't, don't, don't put your trust in money because if you do, it can lead to hurt. It can lead to disappointment and unhappiness. That's what he says. Don't put your trust in it. How many know that's a difference than having it? I heard people say this for many years. You heard this. Come on, y'all heard this. Money is the root of all evil. Look at somebody say, that ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root. Love has everything to do with a relationship. Not having it. Now, let's read that scripture quickly. Come on, go to 1 Timothy 6 and 10. 1 Timothy 6 and 10. And this is the New King James Version. And it says it like this. It says, for the love of money, look at this, is the root of all kinds of evil. For the love of money is the root of all, all the trust of money is, a, is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed, here it is, from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He said they didn't stray because they had money. They strayed because they got greedy. 
Are you listening to me? You can have money and wealth and not be greedy. In fact, some of the poorest people I know are greedy. Come on. You, so, so what the Bible is warning against, the Bible is in which we all have to watch in one way or another, because you may not be greedy for just money. You can be greedy for food. You can be greedy for anything that you just want. But what we all have to be careful of, and this is anyone, anyone who, 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 who might have a wrong relationship with money and might have put their trust in money, you, we all got to be careful that we don't get taken by greed. But it never said it's evil. All right, all right. Didn't I tell you I got, I'm going to give you the word? That time I give you the word because <laughs> everywhere I look in the scripture, everywhere I look in the scripture, God's blessing his people financially. Watch this. And he speaks of joy. Everywhere I look, he speaks of joy. And God wants his people. God wants his people. Say, I'm his people. He wants everyone to experience the joy of financial freedom, blessing and abundance. Say, I have the joy. Come on, say it again. I will have the joy of being financially free being financially blessed and having financial abundance somebody shout hallelujah somebody shout hallelujah it's satan who's keeping you from the joy of finances so that he can enslave your mind so that he can get us walking around singing sad songs all the time now don't get me wrong church don't get me wrong the, 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 there was a time in our, even in our history where, where there were certain songs that needed to be sung. But you can't always sing a song that you sang in the valley when you're on the mountaintop. And one of the reflections that your life is bound, maybe not just financially, is the songs you sing. Don't get me wrong. I, 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 listen, I love to worship. I love to put on my, 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 my soaking music and get in his presence. I understand all that. But listen, a lot of the music and the songs we even sing is reflective of, watch this, of the, of the pain and joylessness that's in our life. And y'all know what I'm saying, because when you're feeling good, you put on that music, you get all excited all of a sudden. But when you feel like you're sad, you're lonely, you find your saddest love song. Okay, y'all, I, I, I want a real church. Come on, say amen. So I'm, I'm, that's why I'm very sensitive about what reason we do in this church. Because I came up in the Pentecostal church, and I, and I love the songs. I remember, I remember when I was singing, we'd sing a song, let us all, let us all go back to the old time way. Praise the Lord. Like we used to do, let us all, let us all go back to, to the old time way. Singing, shouting, let us all go back. If that's all we're going back to is singing and shouting, then, watch this, then, then, then uh, decades later, and I love Timothy Wright, the artist of that, power, man, in, in his day. Then William McDowell comes back in this 21st century, he says, I won't go back, can't go back to the way it used to be. Well, what are we going to do? Go back or are we going to go forward? But see, he wrote that song about five to seven years ago. And we're still trying to pull songs way back when we were struggling 
and think it's going to edify now. It, no, it won't. Come on, y'all. But a lot of it has to do with our state of living. Are you listening to me? I'm going to get in the word. Look at this. Listen, I got to show you the word. Come on. So many of y'all depressed and depraved and deprived of the joy of living because of financial debt. And God is not happy. This is why I'm really impressed to teach this because he said, I'm not happy with this. And I know why I know God ain't happy with it because a lot of his people ain't happy. Because if he's in you and he's happy, then it should reflect in your life. Go to, go to Ecclesiastes 2.24. Is they following me? That guy having Ecclesiastes two twenty four. Go to that. I want everybody to see this. Ecclesiastes two twenty four. When you have it, say Amen. Now, let's read it. I want to read it in your hearing. I want to make sure that you see this. Look at somebody say it's in the Bible. Say it again. It's in the Bible. Now, this is Ecclesiastes. This was written by the wisest man who ever lived. And guess who gave him that wisdom? Who, who gave him the wisdom? Now, this is what he says. Everybody, I want everybody to see this. Ecclesiastes 2, 24 and 25. He says, yeah, there it is. Nothing is better. Say nothing is better. Nothing is better for a man that he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. He does nothing better than that. It's nothing better than you to be happy about your job or where you work or your business and enjoy. Not struggle with debt trying to figure out who I'm going to pay every time I get my check. I'm telling you, a lot of this stuff God ain't got nothing at all to do with. Religion. Look at verse 25. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment more than I? Yes. No. One translation said this. How can you have any of this without God? Look at verse 25. For God gives. Say God gives. God. Say it again. Say God gives. God. For God gives wisdom and knowledge. Come on. And joy. To a man or woman who is good in his sight. Who gives it? But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting. That he may give to him who is good before God. <laughs> in other words, the reason why you want to make sure you're living and working with integrity. Because as a believer, God says for those who are not living right... I'm going to give you the stuff they work for. They're building your house right now. They're running a business, but because they're running it crooked, God says, and you're living right. He said, if you walk up right with me because I want you to have some joy, he said, I'm going to give it to you. Look at somebody say, that's the Bible. I, I, I like the, I like the, I like the, the, um, the uh, Living Bible translation of verse 24 and 20, uh, verse 26. It says, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. Here it is. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please him. 
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to Isaiah 65. Come on, our original scripture. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to Isaiah 65, and let's read it again with some clarity and understanding. And I'll tell you, you're, you're, you're about to be blessed by what you're getting ready to hear. Now, let's read that with some clarity. I don't have the NLT, so that's why I'm kind of going back and forth and not moving as fluently as I would like this morning. You got Isaiah 65? Okay, let's read it again. Now, this word in Isaiah 65 is to Israel. Everybody say Israel. Israel, you've heard all this for, for, for all your life. Israel is God's chosen people. Well, chosen people don't mean he's the, they're, they're the only people God likes. It just means that God chose a man named Abraham to start a new people, a new nation that would walk by faith and not by sight. That nation was called the Jews, the Hebrews. Doesn't mean they're any more special than you are. I'm going to show you that in just a moment. So when God makes these promises in the Old Testament, please hear me if you will, there are some promises in the Bible that are specifically to Israel. That means, hear me very clearly, that means in time, God's going to do this just for Israel. But most of the promises that God made to Israel in the Old Testament were for the believer in the New Testament. We are the new Jerusalem. We are the new Zions. Come on, say amen. I'm going to show you in just a moment, clearly in the word of God. So there are promises that he made that we can claim, not taking the scripture out of context, but claim because Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, that God, Israel is our example. In other words, God dealt with them to teach us and show us how he deals with his people. Are y'all following me? Now, here, if you read this, it says, look, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. No one will even think about the old ones anymore. That sounds like revelation when it talks about heaven. Is that right? Okay, so what we've done is taken this verse and we said, well, it's talking about heaven. He ain't talking to Israel about what's going to happen in heaven. He's telling them, I'm going to do this for y'all now in Jerusalem. Oh, come on. We have got to stop taking everything we see in the Old Testament and making it so spiritual that there's no practical application. God, thank God. God, that there is a heaven, there's a life beyond this world, but can I tell you, you is no good for your life not to be blessed and for you not to be a shining light for God in the earth. He saved you so that he can show forth his goodness in the earth, not in heaven. You won't have a mortgage payment in heaven. Are you listening to me? So we see these scriptures and we say, well, okay, let's push it off. That sounds like heaven. But look at the promise he made to Israel right now. Look at verse 18. Be glad and rejoice forever in my creation. Jesus, look at this. And look, I create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Look at somebody say, you're going to be happy the next 30 days and beyond. <laughs> her people, talking about God's people, her people 
will be a source of joy, not depression. Look at this, look at this. I'll help you. I will rejoice over Jerusalem. In other words, I'm going to rejoice over the people who serve me. Look at this. And the light in them and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. In other words, I'm getting ready to do some things in Jerusalem that's going to, watch it, that's going to wipe the sadness out. Somebody, anybody ready for a life of joy? Look at this, look at this. Let's keep reading. He ain't finished. No longer will your babies die a few days old. When I saw that, I mean, I got so excited. He said, no longer will people be considered old at 100. No longer will adults die and not have a full life. Look at somebody say, I'm going to have a full life. See, all we're trying to do is get a full-time job. God's trying to give you a full life. A full-time life. When you got a full-time life, you can't wait to get up in the morning. <laughs> Come on. It, it's like, what are we going to do today? Glory to God. Are you listening to me? But when you are, your life is not full, man, you be like, oh, I don't even know if I can make it. Let me find one of them sad songs. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Look at this. Only the cursed will die that young. And in those days, people will live in houses they built. I prophesy to you, your apartment days are over. If you want to be a homeowner, step up and be a homeowner. If you're a child of God, somebody shout hallelujah. And eat the fruit of their own vineyards. That refers to your business. Glory to God. For my people will live as long as trees and my chosen one will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. You are not enjoying your hard-won gains when you can't even take a, a vacation you want to take. When you got to keep borrowing from people and your own family members who you keep calling a sinner, I told you I'm going to be a little tough tonight, more, but I promise you, you're going to be blessed. Come on, y'all. We just get all, we, we get too spiritual and we miss the power of God. We really miss his power and his joy. Because here, here's the deal. If I walked in here today with, and no one knew me and I just came up here and I, had my, my, I looked all bummy. I mean, I just looked really bad and what have you. And I got up here and said, God is great and God will bless you and he's Jehovah. You would look at me like, what is he talking about? Because his God ain't got nothing going on. Don't tell me that your practical life does not have anything to do with God. They, look at the word, look at the word, look at the word. They will not work in vain and their children will not be doomed to misfortune. For they are people blessed by the Lord. They're what? And their children too will be blessed. Somebody shout hallelujah. I know I skipped the whole verse, verse 22. <laughs> I'm going to get to that. All right, stay with me now. Don't, 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 don't. stay with me now because I, 
I, I know I don't have the organ going loud and carrying on, but this is, this is, this is the word that's going to change your life. Now, these are God's people, and you are God's people in Christ. For the next five minutes, I'm going to quickly show you that there is nothing that God promised the Jewish nation that he has not always, there's not always, not, not promised to you and I in the body of Christ. Go, go quickly, put those slides up concerning the Jewish phenomenon, if you will. Media, start that, if you will. If you could put those slides up. Okay, this is one of the most powerful books you ever read. It's about the Jewish nation. Go to the next one slide, if you will. This is what they teach in Judaism. Watch this, and don't, 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 don't frown on it because that's where it all started. And the Bible says this is the root. Look at this. This is what the rabbis teach. Poverty causes transgression. Wealth is a good thing and worthy and respectable goal to strive for. That's what they teach. Look at this. Poverty is worse than 50 plagues. That's what they teach their children. The next slide. This is what he says in his book. The Christian has at best an ambivalent attitude toward money and wealth. That means he don't know what he want to believe. One Sunday he says, all right. The next Sunday he says, it's going to drive you crazy. Next one. Judaism has never considered poverty a virtue. The Jewish founding fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were blessed with cattle and in a land of abundance. Where it all started. Next. They believe and they teach their children that with your financial house in order, it is easier to pursue your spiritual life. I, I can't tell y'all how many preachers I know that can preach heaven down but are depressed and sad. I can't tell you how many people I know. And, 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 and Billy Graham, I saw this statement this week, Billy Graham, who never preached prosperity. He made a statement, I, I read it this week. He said, if you don't learn how to finance your ministry, you won't have a ministry long. Billy Graham said that. Next one. Look at this. Here's why we're pointing out this community. 25% of Americans believe Jews have too much power in American business. <laughs> One third of American multimillionaires are tallied as Jewish. 40% of partners in the leading law firms in New York and Washington, D.C. are what? And one of the top 40, 400, excuse me, Forbes, 400 richest Americans are what? Facts are extraordinarily considering that Jewish Americans make up only 2% of the population and 6 million of the Americans, 300 million people. And I want to show you there's a reason why that they are financially blessed. Quiet in this Catholic church today now. 
Quickly, come on, go to Romans. Go to Romans. I'm going to teach it. Go to Romans. Without the kin, I'm sorry. That's the Jews. They got it all going on. Well, you're right. But I just showed you why. Because of what they teach. <laughs> Simple as that. I, I, I know we want to make all kinds of reasons as to why, but I'm telling you something. There's, there's a people that God is raising up in the body of Christ, and this generation, they ain't trying to hear no poor gospel. Your own kids. Go to Romans 2. You got Romans 2? This is the New Testament. For those who have a struggle with that Old Testament, let's go to the New Testament. Let's see what Paul says. Romans 2, 25 to 29. Everybody, did you get your Bible? Let's see this. Paul says, for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? So Paul is saying now you can follow the Jewish law and the codes and all the rituals that we do. He says, but if you are not keeping all those laws, what good are you? I could find somebody who don't know those laws, but in their heart they're following those things. That's what Paul's saying in a nutshell. Verse 27, and will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code or circumcision are a transgressor of the law? Look here, here it is, verse 28. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Nor is circumcision that which is of the outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one outwardly. Inwardly, excuse me, inwardly. Look at that. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men but from God. Paul said a real Jew is a Jew inwardly as far as God's concerned. Come on, let's keep reading. Father Abraham, let's go Father Abraham. Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Galatians 3. God, I wish we would teach our people this word. Galatians 3. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. Come on. And I am one of them. Come on, we teach our children to sing that. Look at this, verse 7. Therefore, no. Look at somebody said, you better know this. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Good God Almighty. You mean tell me I ain't got to wear that hat every, every weekend? Look at this. And I can still be a son. Look at this now. Because y'all getting caught up in the culture, and I want you to get caught up in the word. And the scripture, say the scripture. Foreseeing God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Somebody say, I'm a Gentile. Everyone that's outside of the Jewish nation is considered a Gentile in scripture. So the scripture would justify you and I by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. 
Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't just read that. Because they always told me that the gospel was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you mean tell me that the gospel was around before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? That what God preached to Abraham was really the gospel? And so when I start teaching things like this, and I don't always just see, see here's the problem, here's the problem. We always preach the gospel of Jesus, but we don't preach the gospel Jesus preached. He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Saying, in you, all the nations. This is the gospel. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. Somebody shout hallelujah. So then, those who are of faith, because none of this will work if you don't believe it. And the only way you're going to believe and have faith for it is if someone speaks the word to you. Because faith comes by hearing. You say, I ain't never heard that before. That's why you didn't have faith for it. So then they that are of faith are blessed with. Now you get religious and say, well, he's just talking about being blessed and being saved. Well, that's what he's talking about. But being saved is having salvation, which is more than just having fire insurance. Come on, let's keep reading. Verse 10. Verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in, the, in the, all the things which are in the book of the law to do them. But, to, but no one who is justified by the law is in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. So what he's saying here. If you try to live by the religious or law system and you miss one jot, you disqualify yourself. So Paul says we don't need to live by that no longer. What we can learn by looking at the law is the things that God is not pleased with and some of the consequences of our actions. But thanks be unto God, we don't live by that system any longer, saints. If we did, would nobody be at church today? <laughs> Are you hear me? Would nobody be at church today if we live by that system? Come on, let's keep reading. I'm done. Christ has redeemed us. Who has? From the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who hangs on the tree. Here it is, verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentile. Say, that's me. Come on, say, that's me. If you believe in Christ, say, that's me. In Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit of God through faith. Because the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, which is God, he's the only one that can reveal these things to you. Let's go down. Almost done. Verse 26. For you, verse 26, the same chapter, for you are 
are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized in Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither, come on women, male or female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are crisis, say I'm crisis. Say I belong to Jesus. Then you are Abraham's seed. In other words, you got the same stuff in DNA Abraham had. Heirs according to the what? Say I have a promise. Say I have a promise. My time is up. My time is up, but I want to show you this. I want you to receive this. Go to Deuteronomy 28, because now you're going to see where the curse of the law is that you've been redeemed from. Deuteronomy 28. It spells out the law, at least one aspect of the law. And this is Moses, and this is what God says you've been redeemed from. And it shows us what it is to be blessed, and it shows to us what it means to live under a curse. But look at somebody and said, I'm in Christ. Ain't nothing cursed about me. But how many know you can be something but live like you're something else? You, you can be a grown-up and act like a child. You can be something and act like you're something else. So just because you are something that God has already said doesn't mean you're going to live it out and experience it because you've got to be who he say you are. Now look at Gen- Gen- Deuteronomy. My time is technically up, so I've got to bring it in with, with this. Look at Deuteronomy 28. This is the law, but, but it tells us how, what God's original intent was. Look at verse 28, look at, I mean, excuse me, verse th- 12 and 13. This is a, a promise that he made to Israel and to the believer. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens. How many know the heavens are open? Especially for the tither. Y'all ain't going to say amen. To give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. You shall lend to many nations. And you shall not borrow. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head. Somebody shout out the head. And not the tail. One translation said he will make you the head and not the tail. Watch it. And then it says, and you shall be above only and not beneath. One translation says you shall be on top and not on the bottom. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you heed to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day and are observe and, and, and are careful to observe. Now flip over. Now it's amazing in this chapter. The first 14 verses tell you the blessings of the Lord, but then the then beginning at verse 15 to all the way to 58 talked about the curses. Now look at verse 40, 
3. This is, the, this, is, this is the curses. Verse 43 says, The alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher <laughs> above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. Look at somebody say, This is not God's will for my life. He shall lend to you. See how it's in reverse? But you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head and you shall be the tail. Can I tell you this? That's why the enemy releases debt because the Bible says that the borrower is servant to the lender. In other words, the system is so set up to get you entrapped so that when you buy a house, you don't really own a house. I just read in Revelation. So the invader can come and take what you have at any moment. The Lord said to me this past week, and you can stand because I'm done. He said to me this past week, he says, son, my people think they own, but they don't own, they owe. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, if they miss payments, he said, they don't know how much they own. Come on, come on, come on. And I, I, I told you that debt is not a sin in God's sight. But I also want to show you to be overwhelmed with debt is not of God. And the first order of your finances being blessed is to deal with your debt. Are you listening to me? When you deal with your debt, God opens up a world of blessing. Glory to God. I can't explain it, but it's supernatural and it's not the world's way. The world's way is buy whatever you can, spend whatever you can, but God's way is have a life of integrity, get out of the system of debt, and watch me bless you like you never imagined. I'm prophesying to you that in this house, you will live out what I preach today. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm not promising no pie in the sky. I'm just telling you your life is going to change as you trust God's word in this area. God is about to cancel debt miraculously in this house. Somebody shout, I'm telling you what I know. Glory to God. Somebody shout, I'm a child of Abraham. Somebody shout, I got the faith of Abraham. Somebody shout, I have the seed of Christ in me. Everything God promised Abraham, I claim for my life today. And in the name of Jesus, my life is blessed. Every debt is canceled. Say debt, be gone. Say debt, be gone. Now give God a shout of praise. I said give God a shout of praise. I said give God a shout of praise. I said give God a shout of praise. Don't wait till the battle's over. I need you to shout right now. Look at this. And he gave me a strategy. 
I, some of you, I told, I told all of you, if you got the message, bring, bring your debts up here today. I'm not, not going to take them. You can take them, throw them away when you get home. I don't want to see. It's not my business. But if you got any debts in your bags or whatever, or, or a sheet of paper, run up to this altar. Come on. Come on. Grab your paper. You got it on your phone? Grab your phone. I'm going to show you what supernatural debt cancellation looks like. Because everywhere in scripture I look, God is canceling miraculously dead. Everywhere I look. Everywhere I look. Jesus, Paul, everybody. God just cancels once they trust him. And he blesses. And this is not a poverty plan. This, please hear me, saints. This is not a poverty plan. But this is where it starts with God. You can, you can run after millions, but as a believer, if you don't deal with this aspect of your life, you didn't hear what I just said. Because I got a whole lot of people saying, go on, be a millionaire, go ahead, just invest in that. And I, I encourage you, do invest, do what you have to do. Because when, when God was canceling that widow woman's debt, he gave her a business. But then she said, well, what do I do now that you blessed me? I've sold my oil, I've sold all I had. And what do I do? He says, pay thy debt first and live off the rest what he was trying to show you and I is a kingdom prototype when we deal with our debt I can't explain it I'm telling you it's like God just opens the windows he starts to he opens doors and business opportunities because we're not talking about the strategy is you make my list of debt then you speak to your debt you say why do you speak your debt well Jesus said in Luke 17th chapter, he said, if you would speak to the mountain, he says that in Mark 11, but then in, in Luke 16, he, Luke, I believe 17, he says, you speak to the tree. If you just have faith of a, of a mustard seed, then speak to the mulberry tree. Pluck from the roots. Be gone. Said it shall obey you. Child of God, where do you think money came from? Where do you think paper came from? You got to get in the supernatural when it comes down to this because there's an enemy that wants to keep your life and your, and your grandchildren bound for years. But today we have power through the blood to reverse it all. So I wrote my debt down. I speak to it. I say debt be gone. And then God begins to open strategy because he got to give you a strategy. He's got to give you new streams. He's got to give you strategy. For some of you, you're going to go through your house. And I got a book back there. I mean, you can get, get it because I, I, I give strategies. And I'm doing a seminar even in April where I'm going to take you through, take you through, show you how. I got testimonies of people who came to walk through that class. And there's this screaming now. sending me, Dr. Ken, God just did it for me. Once you, listen, you can't get to Atlanta going 70 West. You got to get on 95 South. In other words, all you need to do is get in on the right track. But you ain't going to get debt free traveling down 70. You ain't getting to Atlanta. Direction in finances is more important than speed. So today, 
your life shifts. Lift your hands. Lift your desk before God. If he's the God of everything else in your life, is he not the God to cancel my debt? We'd like to thank you for listening to this life-changing message. We hope you enjoyed the word that was specifically prepared for you to hear today. You can send your monetary donation to our ministry online at www.dreamlifewc.com.